As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is The Road Less Traveled, a once-in-a-lifetime and only-if-you're-lucky experience. On every episode, we give you the opportunity to hear the story behind the music, focusing on the amazing singer-songwriters on the Texas music scene. Here's your host, Drew Myers. Howdy. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Road Less Traveled, a Defining Audacity original series. I'm your host, Drew Myers. On The Road Less Traveled, I give singer-songwriters on the Texas music scene the opportunity to share the story behind their music. If you listen to this podcast on a regular basis or any of my podcasts, you know that I love story. I love sitting down with these singer-songwriters and hearing their story. It gives you a whole new appreciation for the artist and a new appreciation for their music. That is very true for today's featured artist, Miss Season Ammons. I had met Season before. We did a show together up in Denton. I dig her music. But it wasn't until this conversation that I really fell in love with what she was doing. We mentioned during the conversation, which you're going to hear in its entirety in just a few minutes, that Season brought me a copy of her new album on vinyl. Her new album, Steel Hearts. It's great. Check it out. Go buy it. But after our conversation, and after I got back to Rainbow, Texas, I put that vinyl on my new record player, and it sounded different. I had heard Steel Hearts before, but it was different this time, and I do realize I was listening to it on vinyl, but I think it sounded different because of my conversation with Season. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy it as well. We talk about a lot of random stuff, but I love the conversation when we started talking about her life list and making the important things important and putting her goals, dreams, and aspirations in the spotlight. Speaking of life lists, I want to share this before we get into the show. Season's going to play a kickoff song to get us going. On every episode, I ask these artists if they have a life list or bucket list, and then we talk through it. And then after that, I ask if I can see a copy of their life list, if they already have one, or if they're going to write some stuff down. Well, a couple days after we had this conversation, Season Ammons sent me a copy of her life list. And I love, love, love that. I'm excited about taking a second, really digging into it, and seeing if there's something on there that I can help her mark off. Because like I say during the conversation, it's neat to make a life list, and it's powerful to mark stuff off. But it is a game changer. It is life-changing when you can help someone else put their goals, dreams, and aspirations in the spotlight. Maybe I can help Season Ammons mark something off. Maybe I can't. But if I can, 
I will. I promise. Just a couple housekeeping items before we get into it. You can download this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, iTunes. We're on Spotify and iHeartRadio. Please subscribe. Please like. Please comment. Please share. But only if you like what we're doing on this show. If you like the concept of hearing the story behind the music. That will help us grow this show, get more people to listen to this show, and introduce these incredible artists like Season Ammons to other people. Again, I really appreciate you tuning in. I'm going to turn things over to Season Ammons now. She's going to set up our kickoff song, and then we're going to get right into it. You're listening to The Road Less Traveled, the Defining Audacity original series. Here's Season Ammons. Okay, so uh, this song is called We'll Get By, and it's a song I wrote several years ago when I was going through a very uh, personal time in my life where I just wasn't really sure about a lot of things. And sometimes I write music from the perspective of somebody else or, or even as if I'm talking to somebody else, even though I am talking about myself. So this was sort of a song of hope that I wrote um, to tell myself, like, it's going to be okay, you're going to get through this. And so I was just sort of talking to myself, going, like, we'll get by, we'll be fine, don't worry about it. And um, and then just recently, with everything that's been going on lately, um, I sort of resurfaced the song, brought it back up, and got a lot of great responses um, about it. And it seemed to move people, so I ended up re-recording, you know, a full full-blown version of the song and then released it as a single um so here it is with well, ain't no doubt we're going through some troubled times Dreaming of better days when we can leave this all behind. Well, I know right now it feels like you're all alone. No, we're gonna get through this, so just hold on. And we'll get by, sure as tomorrow the sun gonna rise. We'll get by. Sure as the stars in the heavens are gonna shine We'll get back together You and I Ah! 
Welcome to this episode of The Road Less Traveled, a Defining Audacity original series. We're at the Post Office Studios in Fort Worth, Texas. It's my honor and my pleasure to sit down with Susan Ammons. Susan, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. I've been a big fan and super excited to actually be sitting down with you and, and doing this. So We've done the LSA show together mm-hmm. where you stood on stage with a couple other artists at LSA Burger in Denton, Texas. This is going to be a little bit different. That's fun. and. Yeah light and I ask silly questions. We're going to get a little bit deeper. We're going to hear your story today. I want to hear the story behind your music. You're in a little bit different situation because you're not, I mean this in the most positive way possible. You're not 22 years old Mm -hmm. trying to make it on the Texas music scene. No, no, not close at all, (laughs) (laughs) which is a good thing. I do think that's a good thing. So do I. It's a, it's, you know, you, you only look at those quote unquote negative things by however you think people can define you and, and you can't be defined if you don't allow it. How long have you been doing this? Um, since I was about 20. So, I mean, I'm, I'm saying a good 20 something years. I turned 41 this year. So, um, you know, my, my whole life, I mean, I've been writing music and, and playing instruments my whole life, but I would actually say where I, I said, okay, I am a singer songwriter. I'm doing this for a profession and, and seriously t- took a real look at it. Um, I was 30 years old when I made that decision and I haven't looked back since. And I told myself I would never work, you know, a job like this is my job. And I dedicated my whole path from 30 on. So, uh, so 11 years now I've been at this. Well, let me say this. I think you're fantastic. I think you have a very unique sound to you, a very cool vibe about you from your music to your, your story to, to you yourself. I mean, just sitting here with your cute jeans on your cute shoes. I mean, you've got a cool (laughs) vibe about you and I dig it a lot. So what happened when you were 30 years old that said, Hey, I'm going to go for this thing. Um, I had just put my music on hold for a while. Um, I, I left home at 17, moved to Nashville when I was 19, and I went to Nashville wanting to learn to write music. And I did go with the intention of like of doing it. I mean, I didn't know what that meant. I had no clue. I, I say I failed at it because I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have any business sense. I literally was just out there sort of floundering, if you will. But I still look back and I go, that was a great experience because I did learn quite a lot. So anyway... I ended up, you know, getting married at uh, 22 and then had kids. I was married to a uh, military man and we ended up traveling. And so I pretty much like stopped my career at that moment. And I decided I'm going to be a stay at home military wife. This is my life now. And I did that for quite a long time. And when my, my kids got a little bit older, I mean, it never left me. My, my music was always there. And I knew that if I didn't kind of reach back out and get to the core of who I was, that I wasn't serving myself and I wouldn't be serving my, my kids and like just who I am if I let that go because it, it never died in me. So I knew that I had to sort of resurrect that and 30 just seemed like a monumental time for me where I thought I'm doing this, you know, I, you only have one life and you've got to get out there and, and make it whatever that is, what makes you happy, what drives you. And out of all of the things I've ever done, I was like, music is the one thing that has driven me. So I had to make that decision and draw a really hard line and say, this is who I am. So during those eight years from the time you got married until the time you went all in, 
did you ever get the pen and paper out after the kids went to bed or get the guitar out and, and play a little bit? Would you do that from yes, time to time? I would. I was still writing. Never left me. But I wasn't really performing or doing anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I was constantly writing. You know, I'm a journaler. I've always kept a diary from a very young age. So that's never left me. So writing was still always at my core. And, yeah, I would always have these songs sort of tucked away. And I would play for the kids when they were the boys and um, and sing them to sleep and things like that. And that was very rewarding. But I did struggle with this role as being a mother and a wife, but then still that not being enough and then feeling guilty because why isn't this enough? Mm. I have a family and this and that, but I'm, I still, there was an undercurrent of unhappiness that really just bugged me. And it took a lot of like kind of soul searching and digging in to go, what is it? You know, and, and this identity that we think as a society, as women of like what you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be, and then still wanting something more and dealing with that whole aspect of it. So it was, it was interesting and hard to sort of like make that decision. That's why I said I had to make this hard line and go, I'm going this direction. And it ultimately cost me my marriage and a lot of things. And I mean, I don't regret that at all because ultimately we weren't supposed to be together. We were just too different. He was military and I was a musician at heart. So, but I think it definitely has lent itself to my story and this road that I have happily trudged along. Sure. Well, let me say this before I forget, because I've been doing this now for the last several years is thanking military families, not just military servicemen and women, but the families, because you guys sacrifice so much as well. So thank you. I know you and your husband aren't married or ex-husband aren't married anymore, but I still appreciate everything you did during those eight years or however long it was, um, the sacrifices that you and the boys made. So thank you. Yeah. Now talk to me about being 30 years old. What is the first thing that you do when you say, I'm getting back into this thing? Well, that was exactly what I asked myself. I had no idea. Were you scared? I was excited. I I wasn't scared. I was literally like craving this whole idea of like, how do you make this work? You know, I realized that the musical landscape was changing. Things were changing. I could see it sort of happening. Record labels were falling to the wayside, streaming. Like I could, I didn't know what was going on, but I could see it. And I wanted to learn more about it. And I thought there's just a way to do this, this, whatever an artist is like, how do you do that? And so I just started educating myself. I ended up going, um, to any conferences. I went to like music conferences. I joined um, songwriting classes. Like I just, I went to open mics. I mean, I literally immersed myself into the scene. At the time we were um, stationed in Houston, my ex-husband was doing um, recruiting. So there's not a base in Houston, but we were stationed there for three years uh, while he was recruiting and things like that. So I immersed myself into the Houston singer-songwriter world. I let I met a lot of great people that were making a living as a singer-songwriter, and I just watched what they were doing. I showed up to their shows. I um, asked questions, and I just started figuring out, well, okay, without a record label, how do you do these things? And of course, that takes money and time and effort, and you have to source out everything that a record label would do for you. You have to go and source that yourself. You know, it was just basic stuff. 
I didn't even have business cards. So, okay, get business cards. I don't have a website. You know, just basic, like, business building. And so I kind of took it from that approach of, like, okay, I'm building a business, and I'm the product. I mean, even though I didn't like to think of it that way, but you do. You were the brand. Yeah, the brand, yes. exactly. And so you just have to go, well, how do you develop that? Well, you know, if you want to, to make money, well, how do you get gigs? How do you even get a paying gig? You know, those were the questions that I asked myself and I just got in there and just started learning. So within a few years of doing that, I was able to just sort of establish some some basics and um, and then ended up cutting a record uh, with Stormy Cooper, Roger Krager's bass player. And he had just opened up a studio in Houston. And I was one of the first, um, one of his first clients. And actually, he at the time he was working with Bree Bagwell, and um, she was kind of just getting started too. And I ended up singing her harmonies on her first um, That's cool. record way back. And I mean, and so you know, I just was watching people in the scene and watching them how how it was getting done. And I was just like, okay, I'm a part of this new movement of like troubadours i guess of of getting out there and being indie and and figuring it out where'd you grow up grew up here in dallas okay uh, so you're you're a texas girl yes but after you got married and you guys were moving around i know you spent some time in alabama did uh, you spend some time in alabama no well down in florida okay florida uh, that's right in destin that's right mm-hmm. was the texas music scene on your radar i mean were you familiar with it not Really, um, mostly I was into more of a singer-songwriter scene okay. out of the Houston area. And um, more of like, I would say like, not even folk, but just um, I went to like Folk Alliance, which is a, a big music conference, and um, Nashville Songwriting Association International, things like that. Um, I, I was listening to, yes, yeah, some of this Texas music scene. It, it, it was sort of on my radar, but not not like it is now. Um, I wasn't quite aware of it. But then, I mean, right as I was sort of getting into it, we ended up moving again. But I was up in Connecticut for a while, Virginia for a while, um, Florida for almost eight years, and then moved back to Texas. And what I realized with all this moving is that there is a scene wherever you go, you just have to go in and find it. While I was living in Florida, I was, you know, still keeping track with what was going on in Texas because my family's still here. So I was making regular trips back to Texas and I would keep hearing from my family and especially my brothers. I have three of them. And one brother in particular was like, you've got to make your way back to Texas. You know, there's a scene going on. There's the songwriter thing. There's, you know, and he would list off all these, you know, Texas artists and he'd be like, you need to come back and, and get yourself back into the Texas scene. So it took several years for me to do that, but I, I did finally make my way back here in 2018. Wow, that hasn't been very long. No, no. Do you feel like right now you're having to claw and scratch and to establish yourself? Um, because you have established yourself. Yeah, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm like clawing. I just feel like I'm moving because I don't feel like there's an end goal. And I, cause I don't, I, I feel like you always have to be evolving and creating. So I don't feel like you're ever going to get there. I don't feel like there's an end. So to me, it's like, I don't worry so much about trying to keep up necessarily. I'm just staying true to who I am and what I love to do and creating. And, you know, I just feel like that speaks more volumes than trying to, I guess, fit into one particular thing. Or, or have one particular goal where you're just dead set on, 
I want to be this. I'm, I don't know. I've always sort of been all over the place. <laughs> so do you think that, you know, taking that break until you were 30 years old provided that perspective? Because there are a lot of singer-songwriters, younger singer-songwriters, that don't have that perspective. I do. I think um, it helped me develop more as a person and then and then see what I really really wanted yeah and then and then live a little bit and then ha have some some material under your belt I was right you know I've been writing since I was like six or seven. Oh, really yeah I've been I always wrote little melodies um I mean I got a keyboard when I was like nine and I was always tinkering writing songs and then when I was around 13 or so is when I started really writing with a guitar well not a guitar I didn't pick up a guitar until I was about 15 but um wrote short stories, poems, and just little melodies. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I forgot where I was going with that. But <laughs> Do you ever pull any of those out and just see what you put down and play with them a little bit? I have, actually. I have pulled music from um, when I was, like, 18. And, and actually, believe it or not, I re I'm recording some new music, and one of the couple of songs are not new. They're they're over 20 years old, but I've revisited them with, That's cool. with this, you know, with different framework and they're totally different, even though, you know, I was writing some pretty cool and profound stuff back then, which is surprising to me, but, um, you know, and then I wrote a, b a bunch of crappy stuff too. I have listened back and I'm like, Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Can't everybody say that though? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I feel like that little break between you know, writing and performing and stuff. And when I was living in Nashville, I mean, I was just sort of grinding through day to day. I was working like odd jobs, waitressing, um, and then playing these open mics and learning and just, it was quite, it was like going to college, except for I didn't go to college. I went, I went there instead. And, but yeah, I just, I pretty much taking that break with the kids and stuff. It was, um, pretty cool because it did really refocus me and, make me, I guess, really happy to sort of like embrace it all the way and go, okay, I'm going to give this my 100% effort. I love it. Sitting down with Season Ammons at the Post Office Studio in Fort Worth, Texas. This is The Road Less Traveled. What's the coolest thing that's happened to you music-wise? Um, getting to record my last album at Abbey Road in London. I met you right before you left on that trip to go over there. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. You were, I mean, you were so excited. You talked about it a little bit at LSA Burger. Um, tell me about that experience. Well, it was, um, it was incredible. I'm still sort of in shock and awe that that even happened. And um, it was all hearsay. And that's sort of what I've learned throughout the years is like, you know, you don't count on anything until it's actually right in front of you, especially in this industry, because a lot of things fall through and you just sort of get used to that. Um, so anyway, the idea of getting to record at Abbey Road was was through my pr producer, Dave Percival. He's worked over there for the last decade or so and done lots of projects over there. So he has a good working relationship. And we were talking about the production style and the feel of the album and what we wanted to do. And we wanted string arrangements. And he basically said, well, you know, the best place in the whole world to record strings is at Abbey Road and I'm going you know it's sort of this light bulb went off and I'm like could we really do that and he's like well we could you know and and 
you know, you can't just book over there. You know, it's, it's kind of a process. And thankfully with Dave, I mean, he was able to sort of make it happen. But I was sort of, my fingers were just crossed going like, I hope this works out. But I wasn't, I wasn't like dead set on it. But until, you know, he, he actually said, okay, we've got. You didn't want to get your hopes too high. Yeah, not at all. Because I thought this is pretty, this is huge. This is big. And so um, anyway, got it all arranged. And it was like, okay, we're going over there. And it just blew my mind. I mean, I, I was so nervous. I was so, um, I was just enchanted uh, g- going there, going into the studio, going into Studio Two, which is the, the big room where the Beatles recorded, and seeing the symphony down below. You're up, you're up in this big, like, sort of loft area where the mixing board is and everything, and you're looking down in Studio Two. It looks like a gymnasium in there. It's huge. And... Um, I'm just like beside myself. It felt like an out of body experience to just be like, wow, you know, these people have sheet music to, to my music and they're playing, you know, the cello and the viola and the violin. And I'm just like, it just brings such a, a, an emotional feeling to your music when you're hearing just the strings play to your music. I'm like, wow. So I cried multiple times while I was there because I just couldn't believe it. And it was very emotional you know, I went over there and I had jet lag and I was tired and I was so excited and I couldn't sleep. And so I was sort of just running on empty a lot of times. And I just felt it was like a buzz. I can't even describe to you the feeling of being in that studio and going to work every day. I was there for almost a week and every day I'd leave the hotel and then go get in a cab and then pull up and I'm going, I'm going to work, <laughs> you know, and it just was incredible. It was so incredible. I love that story. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. I'm like, that happened. Really Still cool. Still blows my mind. So the most incredible thing on a personal and professional level that's ever happened to me. Now, when did that album drop? That was August of uh, last year. So it's it's coming up on a year this August. It'll be a year since I released it. Congratulations. Thank you. And I finally got vinyl for it i know and you brought me i did a vinyl thank yes. you so much you're welcome i played on my father's day record player yeah, as awesome. soon as i get home i'm not kidding <laughs> it will be playing in my house tonight i'm so excited you know this album it was actually i mean it was recorded for vinyl with vinyl in mind and so was that the artwork too i mean the the whole album itself has got a really vintage and like dark and murky sound and it tells a story and the artwork tells a story it's made for like old school listening where you put a record on and you experience the record. And um, so I'm, I'm never in a million years thought I would have vinyl to my, my music. So having it sort of showcased in this way, just a dream come true. So another sort of big thing that's I'm super proud of. Okay. So recording at Abbey Road, not the finish line. Having an album on vinyl, not the finish line, but the bar's pretty high. <laughs> yeah. What's next? What? How, how do you top those? Well, you just keep creating. I mean, honestly, it's like just keep putting out music. I'm working on a new album, which will probably release 2021. And to sort of continue that, that flow of Abbey Road and sort of keep some continuity in some of my music... Um, Dave actually went back over to Abbey Road um, pre-COVID and was able to cut strings to like 
five of my songs. So half of the record will, my new record will have some more strings on it. So keeping some of that flair with it and then um, recording with some of like the best players ever, uh, one of them being J.J. Johnson, and he's the drummer for Tedeschi Trucks, an incredible drummer, and then Glenn Fukunaka, who is uh, one of the touring bass players for the Dixie Chicks, and he's worked with Sean Colvin and some pretty amazing people. So having this really cool uh, core group to record this new music along with the strings from Abbey Road, that's cool. Um, and so, like, that's next on the horizon. And then making some really cool music videos that I plan on, like, going really cinematic with. Um, I love that sort of medium. Um, video is another sort of art form, I believe. And I <laughs> have envisioned a really great video for this new music where there will be dancing like dance sequence type stuff I love to dance and a dream of mine is to um this is a life list yeah there you item. go now you're talking my language uh-huh uh-huh I listen to your show <laughs> and so I I want to I, I I see myself doing a Broadway musical one day that's cool uh-huh I, I love musicals I love dancing and I'm going I would love more than anything to do something big and very challenging and put it, you know, out of my comfort zone. And so anyway, I feel like doing a cool music video shoot where we're talking about choreographed like stuff and I've got dancers and like, I have to learn a routine and, and do something really, really cool with this new music. That's where I'm headed. Cause this new album is definitely there's pieces of like Steel Hearts, the old record, uh, with the string arrangements, but we're going in sort of a progressive way with some of this music. And I w- I'm not saying it's pop by any means. It's definitely it's singer songwriter because I wrote it. And but there's more um, sort of an adult, contemporary, like new age feel about this new music that I'm going to be putting out. So I want the videos to sort of reflect that too, and just like moving into some new territory for me that I've always envisioned. And I thought, okay, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, do some really cool, visually stunning stuff. Um, So there, (laughs) that's what I'm going to do. Think back to when you made that decision when you were 30 years old, Mm -hmm. that you were going to get back into it. Would you ever have dreamed that you'd be sitting, not that it's so cool to be on the show, but sitting here talking to me about this, really cool music video that you're eventually going to do sharing about Abbey road vinyl. I mean, does it blow your mind? I mean, it's only been 11 years. I know it's, um, it's been a journey and no, I, when I set out on it, I didn't think I, you know, I never in a million years like thought Abbey road, but I have dreamt about Abbey road. I mean, I'm a huge Beatles fan and Abbey road is one of my favorite Beatles records. And I remembered, like looking at that album artwork and thinking about like, what would it be like to be, to record there? You know, I mean, there's so many things that I've, I've thought about, but I never thought, no, that I would be here by any means. Although I didn't never think that I wouldn't, if that makes any sense. (laughs) You seem like the type of person that you figure out, once you figure out what you want, you're going to go get it. Is that yeah. an accurate statement? Yes, yes. And I, I don't ever, I guess, I don't worry too much about 
how I'm going to get there. I just know that I will. And a lot of times I'll take detours or I just I don't ever let roadblocks stop me. I just go around and I find a way. And sometimes I don't maybe know what I want until I see it. And then I go, okay, I'm going to pivot this way or go that way. And I just, I just know that I love creating music. I love being, I love the creative process. I love writing. I love being in the studio. I mean, I love this work and it's what drives me. So I knew that at 30, like I was going to be doing that and I was going to make a living and that this was going to be the way I was going to create my life. And I wasn't going to put a time limit on it either. I just said, okay, this is who I am. This is my, my identity. And this is the work that I want to be doing until I can't anymore. Right. And I see, you know, there's a lot of people that are still doing it at 60 and 65. And I feel like if you can create the ability to, to work in that capacity, then there's just no limit as far as what you can do. Let's do some rapid fire stuff real quick. Then I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody that comes on my show. Okay. I'm just going to say one thing and then I just want you to go with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. House concerts. Love house concerts. And you did your first one yeah. like within the last week, right? Yes, yes. Just I follow you on social. I kind of stalk you. It's <laughs> not, not a big deal. I love that. I, well, you know, with everything going on, tours getting canceled, shows getting canceled, once again, you cannot let something stop you. So it's like, what do you do? Use the word. Use the word. And you just... Pivot. Pivot. That's it. You don't stop. You pivot. So you can't go this direction. Well, fine. Go this direction. So... You just got to think outside the box and go, well, I mean, house concerts are not a new idea. So I just sort of ran with this idea of going, okay, how do I keep playing shows? How do I keep doing that? So, yeah, just announced a couple weeks ago that I was um, basically taking applications saying, hey, I want to come to you no matter where you are. I can make it work. Um, basically putting together a tour. And so far, we've gotten lots of applications from here in Dallas to Houston to Florida to California, um, St. Louis, even uh, Georgia. So it's a matter of kind of sifting through all those, figuring out who wants what dates, and then making some some touring adjustments around that. But yeah, just did my first one in LaGrange, and we'll be doing one um, the 18th of this month up in Kerrville. So did you have a positive experience? Did they eat you up? Yes. It's it's so much fun. I mean, it's so intimate and awesome. Yeah. And I've, I've done house concerts in the past a few, you know, throughout the last 10 years um, or so, but never like a tour, never where I'm specifically going out and doing more of a a tour style since you can't really tour and, and all the bars are closed. So it's a great experience because you do get to tell your stories. You're not limited by a lot of things. You're, you're able to um, talk to people afterwards and really get to know people. And that's where you get good songs from too. Cause you, you know, you might sing a song and then afterwards someone will say, Oh my gosh, I really love that song. And it reminds me of this. And then you sort of get to hear somebody else's story or experience. And then that can inspire you to write another song. If you're a singer-songwriter on the Texas music scene and you do not do house concerts, personally, I feel like you are missing the boat. Because what you do, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Susan, is you are creating raving fans. Because they come in to a very comfortable environment that they already know. 
They sit down, they shut up, they hear the story behind the music. They're probably going to buy some of your merch. Mm-hmm. So now they have a Season Ammons coffee cup, which we do have at our house. Mm-hmm. They have a, you know, a t-shirt, they have a vinyl. Now they're a fan. Mm-hmm. And when you do start to tour again, if you're probably in a 50-mile radius, they're going to be the ones that they show up are. at your show. They are. That's exactly it. It helps really um, build the bridge, you know, between, you know, the stage and the audience. And literally, it, it just, it's awesome because you do get that one-on-one experience. And yes, because they had that experience with you, they're more likely to come out and they want to support you. It's so much, I just, it's so much better sometimes, I think, than, I mean, unless you're playing some big venue, it's definitely a better scenario and it's literally it's more satisfying more gratifying too so so the first one i ever went to and then we're going to move on i saw courtney Patton nice play at a friend's house in granbury texas it was a potluck dinner and i sat there and ate chicken spaghetti with courtney Patton before she played music (laughs) i'm not going to get that seeing courtney Patton at bostock's in stephenville you know what i mean so i was already a courtney Patton fan but then i was I was even more of a fan after that. And I think that's what you guys can do doing those house concerts. So I think it's awesome that you're, you're putting an emphasis on that right now. Well, it, it makes, it makes you more um, accessible and, and people get to see you and, and get to know you as a real person. And yeah, that makes it that much more memorable um, when you get to hang out and just, you know, eat some food with somebody, you know, and, and, and hang out and sort of share some space together instead of you're waiting for them to get on stage and then you may or may not get to talk to them at the merch table or whatever, you know. You don't. How many people were at your house concert? Well, it was like 20-something. So okay. usually, I mean, and that's sort of, I've put together this sort of list and put together a really great, um, like a PDF booklet to sort of show people how to put on a good house concert. So it's like, 20 or more people is sort of the, you know, makes it the best experience. Sure. So it's, it's, and then, yeah, it's either potluck if you want it. I mean, it's sort of, you leave it up to the host to sort of figure it out. But then the most important thing is that everybody gathers at a specific time, you know, and and you're reminded that you're, you're at a concert and not at a party. So that definitely sets a tone. Yeah. Don't be late. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I've had enough house concerts. If you show up late, don't even show up. I'm with you. What I was going to say was, let's say there were 24 people there, just a number. You had 24 people leave that house that felt like they knew season Ammons. 100%. That is priceless. It is. When you can do that by playing your music and telling some stories behind your music, priceless that you're going to get so much more money out of that well and 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 just you know people remember it you give them a memorable experience and then yeah the next time you come through town they are going to be there to you remember you. me we ate chicken spaghetti yeah. together yeah i remember you <laughs> well and most people are you know they w- they will buy something so it's it does help tremendously on that front of things because most people are going to buy a shirt and a CD. And so the average person is going to spend 20 to $40 because they want to. I mean, and, and there's a, there's a connection there. They, they know that they're directly impacting you by supporting you. There's no middleman, you know, there's no ticket sales that go to the club or whatever. It's literally going from them to you and they feel 
really cool about it and knowing that they are they are supporting you and it means a lot to me to have people you know want to do that so when they're moved to do that not only are they going to tip you and buy your stuff i mean we're talking so 40 dollars average for the average person so yeah you you times that times 20 or more people 24 and yeah (laughs) like you do the math i can't but (laughs) no i think it's awesome so if you're a singer songwriter in the scene and you're not doing that you're missing the boat. And if you're a fan of Texas music and you're not opening up your house to your friends and your family and bringing in these artists, you're missing the boat as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Back to our rapid fire. That wasn't that rapid. <laughs> TikTok. Oh, well, <laughs> new to the game. Tell, pe- tell people about the class you're offering now. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm, encur- uh, I'm encouraging tic- her to offer this class. Yeah, TikTok for users 40 and over. Um, I've already signed up. I'm yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely, I'm still learning this thing. I I, I don't know that it's something I'm going to utilize all the time, but I, I went on, I guess it's been about a couple of weeks ago, and I've just been looking at it, studying it, seeing like, what is, what is this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and do I really need, more of this social media crap, you know, I mean, I I say crap, but you know, I'm already Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So I'm like, do I really need one more thing? But you know, if you go on it and look, it's, it's a lot of fun. It, It can be fun and entertaining. And it's a, it's just a different avenue for people to see a different side of you. Cause I feel like TikTok is more, um, it's more of your personality. You can just show random stuff and it doesn't always have to be about look at my show and look what I'm doing. You know, look, you know, it, it literally is just a different avenue. And so different. it's kind of a behind the scenes tool. I think so. It can be stupid. It can be serious. There's just no um, rules really about it. And there's fun yeah, challenges to do. And there's everything from like cooking to home decor. I mean, you could search endlessly on TikTok and find something that you like. It's not all about the teeny boppers dancing and this. That's all I've seen. So yeah, which the problem with TikTok is that once you do find stuff that you're into, you will find yourself being on there too long. And that's where I have Mm. to shut it down. And I have to, um, you know, just be mindful uh, because, you know, time is precious. And I, I do a lot of other things besides staying on the phone all the time. And I know you do too. It's a part of our job. You know, you have, you have to, to do it. But I also am very clear and I make, I carve out time every day to make sure that I'm present and I do meditation. I work out and um, read. You know, I don't turn the TV on too much. I'm not a big TV person. I just, um, I, I enjoy, you know, music and, listening to music and then sometimes just dead silence i just want nothing nada but but yeah it's just finding balance so yeah tiktok (laughs) plug your tiktok real quick so people can follow you it's just season ammons you can go check it out on all all of the social platforms from instagram and all that yeah all right let me ask you the question i ask everybody that comes on the road less traveled i put a heavy emphasis on story past, present, and future. This question has to do with the future, looking ahead. Do you have a life list or a bucket list? Yes. Is it written down? Yes. Um, and I keep adding to it. That's awesome. Yeah. Where is it? In your phone? 
No, it's in a it's in my journal. So so it's handwritten down. I oh, love yeah. that girl. I'm, I think I'm, that's awesome. I'm a handwriting type of fool. I do I do utilize my my iPhone for sure, notes and things like that. Um, but I always keep um, paper near me. I'm still old school when it comes to my calendar. I have a a big black and white paper calendar, and I write everything down, including the show today. I look at my calendar, and I just like to visually look at it, touch it, write it down. It helps me. I feel like there's power um, in writing something down and putting a date on it. I totally agree. People come on the show. I ask them that question. They're like, yeah, I've got a life list or a bucket list. And I ask them if it's written down and they say no. I said, it's going to be so much more powerful if you put it on paper, I promise. Or even type it in your notes on your phone. Yeah. So what's on this list, Season? Well, uh, the Broadway is there. Love that one, by the way. Um, Love it. uh, To play Red Rocks. Cool. Very cool. Um, That's on a lot of singer-songwriters list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many great uh, uh, concerts and things like that that I would love to play. I, I did have um, Americana Fest was on my list, and I got to do that. Mark it off. I did. And um, to tour uh, Scotland was on my list, and I got to do that. So a lot of things that I've written down, and that's the cool thing about writing it down and putting a date, because when you go back and re- you revisit them, you're like, done, done, done. And I literally love that feeling of like, okay, the list is, but then you just keep adding it, you know, never goes away. But um, let me piggyback on that statement. I totally agree because when you take the pen and you mark through it, there's something about marking through it that makes your brain think what's next. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's almost this domino effect. And that's what I love about a life list. So many people are like, I don't want to lock myself down in doing (laughs) this. And I want to be more spontaneous. And I get that. But putting just a few things down on paper, taking the steps to accomplish that goal, and then actually doing it, that'll set your world on fire. It does. And and it gives you a drive. And it's, it's so cool. Because I've, I've always been a believer in writing things down ever since I was young. Even moving to Nashville, I wrote it down, and it happened. I did it, you know. I, the, also on my list is is Grammy. I've got that, that on my list. I love it. And, I, you know, I think anything is possible. I mean, it's, and it's not like, oh, yeah, a Grammy is the end-all, be-all. Because even you could win these awards. You can win all these things, and it, they're great to have. But you go... It doesn't define me, you know, but I still, I, it's okay to strive for goals, but you also, I don't want to be locked into thinking that a certain thing is going to make or break me or give me happiness because I know that ultimately nothing can really give you that sense of fulfillment and happiness. It has to come from within. Um, Have you always felt that way? Uh huh. Well, I take that back. I, I mean, it's like, I've known it. It's been, it's like been there but I've also done a lot of searching and a lot of self-doubt a lot of things where um I did think that if I reached this certain thing that I would be happy but then I soon realized that there was other issues besides wanting things and things taking shape it was like way deeper emotional stuff and that I've just had to work through over the years to go happiness is (laughs) is literally a state of mind and you have to choose it every single day. And that's sometimes not easy because I think as artists, there's a current of like, not depression, but there's a current of like uneasiness because of the the ups and the downs sort of 
create friction and that can feed your uh, creative side, I guess. Um, I don't know. So it's been interesting trying to like dive into that and figure out why am I addicted to the ups and the downs? Because that's exactly what it is. It's like a drug. Right. And, um, so having things go right all the time feel like too good to be true. And I would self-sabotage and do things to plummet. And yeah, so, I mean, I've, I've figured that out too. It's been an interesting journey. Talk to me about the song you played out of the gate. We'll get by. It was a song that I wrote several years ago for myself where I was at a low point. Um, I was divorced, starting over, um, was working through a DUI, um, just trying to get my life back together. Um, and I, I needed some, some advice. And I remember thinking to myself, well, what would, what advice would I give somebody else? And so I basically wrote the song as like me telling somebody else, but really I wrote it for, for myself. And the idea was just like, you know what? Tomorrow the sun's going to come out. Like, don't worry. Just keep moving and we'll, we'll get by. It was just sort of patting myself, you know, hugging myself going like, we'll get by. We'll be fine. So anyway, um, wrote that song, like I said, a couple years ago. And then just recently I kind of uh, brought it back, ended up singing it on social media, just sort of as some sort of inspiration. Like I was so sick of all the negative stuff and I was like, I got to put something out that's positive and give some, you know, lift some people up. So I, I put it out there an acoustic version and got a lot of great responses from it. And, and then it just fueled me to want to do more with it. And I talked to my producer, Dave at yellow dog, and he was like, well, let's, let's cut it. Let's just make a, a full band version of it. Let's cut it. And we cut it like in a day, um, with some great players. Uh, Adam Oder plays bass on it and, um, Josh center plays drums and we just cut it in a few hours and then ended up, um, releasing it as a new single to kind of get something out there. And then also was able to, um, tie it into, um, Feeding Texas. This is, is cool. Yeah. Tell people about that. Yeah. Feeding Texas is a wonderful organization, um, that, that helps, you know, uh, supply food and supplies to families in need. And the cool thing about we'll get by is that, um, all of the proceeds from the streaming and, um, I have a special t-shirt that's specifically for, uh, for feeding Texas. So, and that's on my website, seasonammons.com. If you go and order that t-shirt, all the proceeds go to feeding Texas and every dollar that is raised basically feeds, um, seven families. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That says a lot about you, girl. I think it's incredible. Well, I, I just thought, man, what can I do? I was feeling really hopeless and I'm feeling like just going, I got to be able to do something. And that's sort of what led me to sort of go down this rabbit hole. There was one thing that I noticed around town when, and I'm in New Braunfels, um, when everything sort of was going down, I noticed that there was always a line around the food bank because I'm, I'm right up the street from the, the food bank in New Braunfels and it was just always packed. And then I started thinking about kids and how they're not in school and they're not having lunches and it's just the impact of not being able to get food. It just really, I thought, you know, food and shelter and things like that. That's just a basic 
normal human it's not even a necessity it's a right and I'm going how how can we not have food you know so anyway it just really led me to think well how can how can we do something so it was a no-brainer for me to just go I want to give this song and let it be sort of a, a calling card for feeding Texas and use it to to better other people because I find that the best way to get out of your own stuff is to go help other people get out of you no and doubt get into other people no doubt okay so this is kind of a rhetorical question because surely you have thought about this. When you wrote that song and where you were personally in your life, you said kind of a, a darker time trying to figure things out. You were navigating a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Then you bring the song back. You cut the song and it's led into this amazing thing that you're doing for other people. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that? Yeah. I have. How awesome is that? It is. And that's the power of music. And it, it, it totally blows my mind and it's, yeah, I have definitely thought about that, about how my pain and suffering has somehow circled back around and now it's doing something bigger than me. And I'm going, that is, that's powerful. And like, then to me, that's, that's the universe. That's God. That's just how music can work. I think it's awesome. I love it. All right, let's finish up your life list real quick. So I ask people if they have a life list or a bucket list. They either do or they don't. You do. It's written down. I love it. I want to see a copy of it. Okay. Because it's cool to make a life list and it's neat to mark stuff off. Very powerful to mark stuff off. But it's a game changer if you can help somebody else mark something off their life list. I don't know if I can help you until I see it. Mm. But there may be something on that list that I can actually help you Mm. accomplish. Okay. And if I can do that season it would fire me up. That is awesome. I love that idea. And will you do me another favor? Yes. On your list, will you write two things down? Okay. Thing number one is to inspire somebody else to make a life list or bucket list. Okay. And to help somebody mark something off. Awesome. I love that. Okay, cool. (laughs) I love that. All right. Okay, last thing I'm going to say, and I'm sitting down with Season Ammons, Post Office Studio, Fort Worth, Texas. This is the Road Less Travel to Defining Audacity Original Series. I mentioned earlier in the show that I dig your vibe. Everything about you, I think, is super cool. And I realized during this conversation why that is, what makes me feel that way. Because you've got your shit together. Because you know what you want. You're very comfortable in your own skin. And there's a confidence about you. Not a cockiness, but a confidence about you that's pretty freaking awesome. I love it, girl. You, I feel the same way about you. You have, I, I admire your work. I admire the type of person you are, and and the things you do are big and cool. And Thank you. I feel the same way. Like you have got, you've got it going on, and I totally respect you and what you do. And 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 you're right. It it shows in your work, and in the way that you carry yourself. So I'm, it's cool that you see that in me. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So let's talk about this just real briefly, and then we're going to get out of here. There is a common denominator between the two of us, and I'm not talking about our age. You said something just kind of in passing a minute ago about the meditation and the reading and the prayer. I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I put an emphasis on it every single morning. You also said every day I choose to be happy. I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's like I lay a foundation every morning so I can build on that foundation the rest of the day. And no matter what life throws at me, I can always get back to that foundation. Mm -hmm. We're just alike in that regard. Mm -hmm. And I, 
that's kind of the thing I'm putting an emphasis on now, whether it's my public speaking or this radio show and podcast, is you got to make the important things important. And the most important thing is yourself. That's your emotional, physical, um, spiritual, mental well-being. Mm -hmm. Do you have to be 40-something years old to figure this out? No. I wish I would have <laughs> figured it out sooner. Right, exactly. I don't know why it took this long. I, I, I mean, it sucks that I... I mean, I wouldn't say I wasted a lot of time, but I wasted a lot of energy. And, you know, I've realized that, like, okay, emotions is energy in motion. Okay? So when you're in a negative space... You're like, how, how are you showing up for your life? And you're like, if, you know, because there's a thousand forms of fear. So you, there's either love or fear. This is what I believe. And this is true for me. So a thousand forms of fear. And that can be, you know, it's ego, it's self-centeredness, it's being scared, it's being intimidated, it's all these things. So if you're basing anything out of fear, you're showing up with that emotion. So whatever it is that you're doing, you're sort of bringing that energy in motion to whatever you're bringing. So you can change that focus and think more on the other side, which is the love side, which is helpfulness and useful and considerate and kind. And, you know, so if you are starting from that place, then everything you do from that point on is going to be, is going to be more helpful. So I feel like literally making that time, the commitment to myself every morning and, and it sounds to be selfish to go, oh, I'm thinking about me, but you can't, you can't give, you can't be the best person you are without that first. And it took me a long time to sort of realize that. And I always chased other forms of pleasure and happiness through drugs and alcohol and bad relationships and other material things that I thought would make me happy. But I, but at the end, it doesn't because like happiness, it just is. And you can choose to see it or not and and not to say that there isn't bad things out there but you know um sort of creating that silence in the space in the morning and just setting your day off the right way it helps you to stay more present and focused and then and yeah just be be happy be be grateful be be present for the other people that are in your life and it does take work but in, in dedication but it's like anything else you just have to start you know absolutely even if it's just one minute one minute where you're not looking at your phone or one minute you don't have the tv on you just go outside first thing in the morning and take a deep breath smell the air i mean mm -hmm. and and be happy and go like okay I, i'm here i'm here today every every day we wake up you, you know that's a miracle we're still here we get to do this and also, and I, I feel like, you know, we have to take care of this meat suit that we're in. Meat suit. <laughs> and that will be the title of this podcast. <laughs> Season Ammons, colon, love your meat suit. <laughs> you know, it's You're a, right, though. You have to take care of yourself physically. You have to. You do. and But that's, you know, they are your emotions and your spiritual and your physical well-being. So what are you putting in your body? So, and, and that means what, you know, your food and and water and what are you eating, drinking, you know, take care of yourself. And I, for a long time, didn't take care of myself. And yeah, it took me a while to get to where I am now, but I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's obviously the, the lesson that I needed to learn. You know, we all take our own paths and sometimes 
we find the answers quickly and sometimes slowly, but um, everybody's journey is different, and mine just happens to be a little on the harder side, but that's just what I had to learn. So. You are right where you're supposed to be at Always. the exact moment. Mm-hmm. So thanks for doing this. Oh, thank I really you appreciate for it. having me. I, I enjoyed it so much. It's really glad to be here with you, and I, I love your show. So thank you for having me. Thank you. You are now a card-carrying member of the Defining Audacity <laughs> family. So that means if you need anything, all you got to do is ask. I love it. Thank you. Season Ammons on the road less traveled to Defining Audacity original series from the Post Office Studio in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, this next song is called um, Don't Break My Heart, and it's sort of a warning. It's um, It, it kind of sets up um, my personality. Um, I'm, I'm sort of tough and hard-headed on the exterior, but also very vulnerable on the inside. So I just make it very clear um, that if you break my heart, I will break your heart like cold. So don't even... I don't follow the rules I don't read the signs I got a hard head, a lead foot I'm running red lights I don't play to lose I better win the game I got a full deck Hands down, I walk with no shame When the sun goes down You better watch your step Don't cross the line Cause you'll be up shit creek Without a paddle in no time So don't break my heart No Thank you for listening to this episode of The Road Less Traveled, a podcast designed to showcase Texas singer-songwriters and put their incredible music in the spotlight. The Road Less Traveled is a defining audacity original series.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 